Vision has just the right mix of music, inspiration and fun to kickstart your day. Rise and shine with Fel and DJ. Weekdays at breakfast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Things are changing around the world even as we speak. We've got a wonderful privilege today to talk to a Christian ministry that dates back to 1892 when an English barrister began preaching to lunchtime crowds in Sydney's Martin Place. And more than a century later, their focus is still on taking the gospel to those who need to hear the life-changing message of Jesus. Now, there are five branches of this organization. They were known as Open Air Campaigners. These days, they go under the initials OAC, five branches around Australia. The styles and methods have changed over the decades, but they've maintained a commitment to present the Bible's message in a way that can be heard and understood. And this year, they're preparing for an event that's called Worldview Australia. It's a six-day camp for young people in senior high school, those years 10, 11 and 12. And the purpose is to teach the participants how to see the world from a biblical perspective. They call it good news in good ways. Well, our special guest through this coming hour is Jason Potter. Jason is a psychotherapist, an author, a pastor, a chaplain. And he is the National Director of OAC. Jason, a special welcome back to 2020. Thanks, Neil. It's good to be with you. Last time we were talking, Jason, we were talking about your book called Josiah. That's not the main focus of our conversation today, but it is very important because when we talk about young people, teenagers, and you've had a focus on boys as they transition into manhood, Uh, the way that life changes. This is the sort of thing that you're going to bring to really what is a new dimension for OAC. Yeah, that's right. As as you uh, and some of the listeners might remember, Josiah was focused on introducing boys and and, uh, teenagers and young men to Jesus through a, uh, a story that was based on my own childhood. And so bringing that heart into it's very much one of the challenges the church faces in its men, and that's an ongoing challenge. Now, there's a rich history. I mentioned it there in the introduction, open-air campaigners going since the 1890s. Uh, here you find yourself at the helm. Uh, there is a rich history there. I suppose there's an honour board somewhere around the office. Uh, you know, How do you reflect on being part of an organisation that's not just something that might even be fly-by-night, but you've been around for a long, long time. Yeah, look, OIC has uh, had a few books published on its history as well, so it's not just an honour board. Um, there's there's all kinds of history there from, uh, from back then, and uh, from that ministry we've expanded not just across Australia but into 28 different countries around the world. Our heart for mission has been there right from the start. Our purpose hasn't changed. But as you said, as an organisation, we've had to continually adjust and and change our methodology, our um, being flexible to how communication happens, to how people connect and relate to each other. Um, But the ministry, which, you know, when we first started was about preaching, in fact, 
off the back of horse and carts. Um, we used to travel around New South Wales and then some of the very first cars in Australia uh, and the very first ute that was ever built in Australia um, was made for OAC that had a pump organ on the back and we used to do all kinds of different things back then. Uh, these days, um, we run camps like Worldview. We have street teams that uh, don't preach on boxes anymore but uh, chat one-on-one -on -one with people. We uh, run beach missions and caravan parks. We do a wide range of connected activities to, to share the good news about Jesus with people everywhere we can find them. Just to reflect on something you just said there, and uh, I don't know whether you thought, uh, well, I'll just drop this one in. Did you say that the very first ute in Australia was made to put a pipe organ on the back of it and taken it out onto the streets so that OAC campaigners could preach the gospel? Was that you, what you just said? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. The car piece was brought over from England. So the, the car was made in England and then they brought it over here and built the um, the tray on the back of it and made uh, these uh, adjustments to it so that you could stand on the back and preach. You had a pipe pump organ, uh, sorry, a, a pedal pumped organ attached to the back. There's actually a, a picture of it in one of the books that I have about OAC. It's, um, it's a fascinating story. Well, I don't know, there'd be a lot of ute owners who are listening to our conversation now. You might, just delivering that little gem, change the way we think about utes, change the way we think about tradies. We might even change the way you think about the usefulness of taking that ute because, you know, there might be some who might just rediscover just how to use a ute uh, standing on the back of it. I mean, because this is the image, isn't it, of the OAC, open air campaigners, that you've got street preachers on the street corner delivering a message of the gospel, making a proclamation of those things that are true. And uh, what you're saying to us is uh, even the Aussie Ute has some humble beginnings that are connected with the gospel. Fabulous if someone rediscovers that. Absolutely. Um, and, and look, OAC's history is rich. I mean, we held a prayer meeting in the Sydney Town Hall for 30 years through the first part of the 20th century. Every Wednesday lunchtime at 12.30, we had hundreds of people coming and praying every Wednesday for the gospel, for evangelism, for mission, for a 30-year period right there in the town hall in the centre of Sydney. So there is a rich heritage, but as you've said, coming in to lead an organisation that uh, still has the same mission but is adapting to the current way of people communicating with each other um, presents an ongoing uh, challenge and it's a good one to have. You remind us, Jason, why we don't just discard uh, older organisations that we think are past their use-by date. And I know, and I don't think uh, you'll mind me just mentioning that, that sometimes people have thought that street preachers are past their use-by date because, hey, we're in an age of social media now. Or there's an organisation that's been run for over 100 years, must be run by a whole lot of old fuddy-duddies who can't adapt to a new climate of what we do these days. But when you've got this connection to heritage like that, You've got something that can actually inspire the transition for change into the future. How do you reflect on that and uh, the sorts of ideas you're bringing out now with your current leadership team? Look, I, I think it's it's an interesting challenge. We, we actually don't operate much 
in the social media space. Our vision is very much around face-to-face conversations with people. And that's not to say social media doesn't have its place. It does. But there's already lots of organisations doing that. What we want to do is be at the coalface in relationship with individuals. And so one of the ways we do that is, yeah, we don't preach on the streets anymore, but we have teams of volunteers who go out in groups of three or four and just have one-on-one conversations with interested people, spiritual conversations about their life, but an opportunity to present the truth of who Jesus is in the process of that. And I tell you, we're attracting a whole bunch of young people who are keen on doing this. In fact, one of the new recruits to my team here in Canberra is a young woman from Perth. Uh, her name's Shamina. She um, has a, uh, a degree in uh, English literature and a master's degree in law. She's almost finishing. And when she finishes that master's degree in law, she's coming to Canberra to work for me um, as uh, a, part, a key part of our team. She's 26 years old passionate about Jesus and loves doing evangelism. There are young people out there who want to do this kind of work, um, but a lot of them don't have a place to go. You know, churches sometimes have a limited scope to to kind of work broadly evangelistically. So we're, we're always open to those kind of conversations. And of course, there is always the super value that comes from those parachurch organizations where you've got gifted people passionate people like the ones you're talking about. And I know there'll be so many refreshed to hear that young people are wanting to join with something that actually is ready to push a boundary or two. And uh, getting to push boundaries, this is going to bring us to the the, the, the heart of a conversation today. Uh, When we talk, Jason, about the changes that are going on, and listeners already will know, it's not as easy as it used to be to stand on a street corner and uh, to open a Bible and begin to preach biblical truth. It's getting harder and harder in a world that is trying to silence the Christian uh, proclamation of the gospel. This is the essence of what you're addressing right now, and and we mentioned a camp, but but let's just stay with, uh, with this thought for a moment. It's getting tougher out there, isn't it? Uh, It is, but I also think there's a disconnect between what the media tells us and what's really happening. So if you listen to the media on television, you know, we do live in a very contested culture. And that's how we talk about it in OAC. It's a contested culture with contested series of ideas. And there's a lot of people's ears around what, what is the core values, the core beliefs that we should hold as individuals. And that contest is being shaped by government, whether it's the laws in Victoria that prevent certain kinds of prayer, whether it's laws in the ACT that kind of are trying to shape whether or not, um, you know, Christians can be employed in Christian schools. There's a whole range of these kind of contested things going on. But at the grassroots level, people on the street that we talk to, people in families, people who are just living the normal everyday Australian life, are actually open to spiritual conversations. They're actually interested in who Jesus is. They might be disappointed in some of the church's failures, and the church has well-documented failures as an organisation. But it's nowhere near as closed in our culture as what some media portrayal uh, and, and perception would like us to believe. And so I think there is a disconnect there we need to kind of be aware of. 
Isn't it interesting to make a contrast because the thought that our culture is trying to silence the Christians uh, when we're talking about perhaps the mainstream media, the mass media, perhaps those media icons that people get their cues from, they're the ones who are perhaps more at risk of being silenced because of a bullying that can happen in that space. But that ought not to be the thing that affects the Christian believer. Is that what I can hear you saying here? Don't be don't be too put off by the sort of messages that you might hear or even the unwritten messages you might be feeling because we ought not to be quiet because there's a real hunger out there for those spiritual conversations. Absolutely right. And I think part of that uh, challenge in our culture is that it's almost set up in a way designed to intimidate Christian people into being silent. You know, we talk about, uh, we hear messages in our culture about religion or Christianity being a private thing. It's something that you choose to do. It's your truth, but please don't tell anyone else. Hold on to it for yourself. Keep silent about it. That's your world and I don't want to know. And, and the media kind of keeps pursuing that message and communicating that to Christian people. But in reality, the, pe- the person on the street is quite happy to have a conversation about pretty much anything, including Jesus, including faith, including spiritual life. You know, you get the odd angry person who won't talk to you. But by and large, most people are willing to have that conversation. And the media portrayal of that is actually quite inaccurate. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Our talkback line is open, 1-800-316-316. You can join in our conversation today. Our special guest is Jason Potter. He's the National Director of OAC. OAC stands for Open Air Campaigners. Fabulous organisation. What a rich history. And things are changing. The culture is different. It's not so easy for some to be preaching on the streets It perhaps is not as hard for so many today, given that there is this spiritual hunger to get into a spiritual conversation. So let me just bring this point up here with you, Jason. And I I know this for some, you know, some are very intimidated, uh, almost have some anxiety about the thought that they might share their faith with someone if they get onto an argument or something like that. But the sharing of faith, sometimes you feel like you've got to have some, you know, a degree in how do I share my faith. But uh, how do you approach that? What sort of preparation is there that's necessary? Uh, Can you be over-prepared? What are your thoughts about preparing to be able to share your faith with people? Look, I I think the challenge can be be real. Whilst we're not under any, you know, physical uh, persecution or anything like that in our culture, Um, A lot of Australians fear uh, social um, persecution, that idea that, you know, somehow what we're saying might be seen as being silly or stupid or unintelligent. And a lot of us, you know, we we grow up in the church and we learn our faith and we journey those things, but we don't always have the simple answers to some of those basic apologetic kind of questions that people ask about Jesus, like, well, you know, you believe in God, what, what's suffering about? Why is there suffering in the world? You know, some of those kind of questions can really stump people in the moment. But basically, talking about Jesus, in from, from my perspective, is just like talking about any other topic. Yes, it's a really important and special topic, 
But most of us are comfortable talking about politics or talking about sport or talking about schools or the things that are going on in our community. Talking about Jesus can be as natural and relaxed as having a conversation about any of those kind of issues as well. When we're concerned about having those conversations, uh, given that Australia is very much more secular than it ever was, uh, the thought that, you know, we just don't want to acknowledge that there is a God or that, uh, it, you know, it goes across all religions too, that, you know, there are no gods, it's just secularization. Uh, some people think it's more cool to be secular. Even some Christians think that being secular is cool, but to be a Christian is to sign up to be countercultural, isn't it? To be uh, to be swimming against the tide. What are your thoughts here about just getting an, an attitude right? Look, I, I think that's very true. About six percent of Australians attend church, but about forty-five percent still say that they're Christian. So there is a um, a limited kind of number of people in in churches these days, and that can be something that that puts you off or you know, makes you a bit intimidated around the conversation. But there are some basic tools. I mean, we're about to release a resource in uh, later on this year, which is a small group training resource to help people learn how to have uh, these kind of spiritual conversations. And I think that that's all part of, you know, the journey is is doing some of those basic learning things to give you some confidence as well. We're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call. Carol is in Kersbrook in South Australia. Hi, Carol. Welcome. Yes, good morning. Yes. Carol, um, what are your thoughts? I would like to... Yep. Um, I just wanted to share the opportunity that we've had to um, evangelise. That's just um, happened. We have a farm in South Australia and we have a baby alpaca that's mother died. And we've been bottle feeding a month old alpaca. And we've discovered that wherever we take the baby alpaca, we're inundated with people. And people want to know the story of what happened to the alpaca. How did her mum die? What's her name? And we've called her Tabitha because um, she was raised up from being dead nearly twice. And that's the Bible name of the lady who was raised from the dead. And it just leads into a conversation about the Lord Jesus. And we... I wanted to share tracks with people. We couldn't get an alpaca tract, but we're actually in the process of getting our own tract made um, with the photograph of our alpaca. So I just wanted to share with people that she's become a celebrity. She's going to be on websites um, of some of the restaurants that we've visited that have outdoor dining and are pet friendly. And um, on the weekend, we just gave away all the tracks that we had Carol, your uh, your storytelling is got a contagiousness about it that makes us passionate about the things of God. Uh, let me just bring uh, Jason in here. There's a modern parable here, Tabitha the alpaca, and the opportunity there. That's creativity on steroids. Wonderful stuff from Carol. Uh, what are your thoughts for Carol? Hi, Carol. Look, it's it's wonderful to be able to use whatever opportunity comes across your path to turn it into a gospel conversation. And the fact that you've been able to do that through that story uh, is amazing. Look, I grew up in country South Australia. I've lived in the kind of communities that you're living in, Carol, and I know exactly what those kind of stories can do in terms of connecting people together. And I think that's, you know, that's part of the, 
the story of how we have spiritual conversations is utilising things that happen in our own lives to connect other people into the Jesus story. And that's a wonderful example. Thanks, Carol. Carol, wonderful to hear that story. And so, so when the crowd gathers around, before I let you go, Carol, the crowd gathers around, um, you're using this opportunity to share some elements of Christian faith, a uh, gospel message. How do you do that? Just give us a little insight here. Um, first of all, they, they want to know a little bit about why we've got this alpaca and they've never seen this tiny little fluff ball that's running around. A baby alpaca's so young. And um, we just explain to them the story of how the mother died and her name leads into Christian um, um, opportunities to speak about the Bible. Um, the track that we're in the process of making, um, it talks about how we all need Jesus in our life. Um, we may not understand that we do, but God came to save us. And uh, we, our packers have this habit of spit, spitting when they're threatened and I, I said, look, we might feel like spitting at life and all the bad things that happen to us, but we actually need Jesus um, and he's come to be our saviour. So uh, we also have a little uh, a prayer at the bottom of the tract um, just to give that person an opportunity to accept Jesus. Wonderful stuff. Carol in Kersbrook in South Australia. Carol, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Let's see if we can take another call before news. Marguerite is in Brisbane. Hi, Marguerite. Need to be quick. What are your thoughts? Okay, well, I would just like to say we all need to really love the Lord and, and really be excited about our relationship with him because then that really stirs us to want to share more about Christ. And like if a lady gets a new handbag or a guy goes to a football game, they want to talk about it. Okay, something here, a personal dimension, a personal encounter. Jason, a quick word here for Marguerite. Look, I think that's important. My read of the book of Acts is that we actually grow in discipleship when we pursue mission. So when we, when we embark on evangelism as followers of Jesus, that actually stretches our faith and takes us into growth as a disciple. And to me, that, that's a really key part of this story. Marguerite, tell you a fun thing? very quickly. Okay, I'm 17 years of age. My dad used to be involved with open-air campaigners. He was a missionary with Aboriginal people in Darwin. He used to take a ute out into the Aboriginal reserves and get a pedal organ off there and preach underneath the mango tree after he shooed the dogs away and start preaching. <laughs> hey, there's awesome. the ute. I think the ute is a recurring story here, and uh, there might be other listeners with some ute stories around the preaching of the gospel and to hear of that foundation of the history, part of OAC, just amazing. Uh, Jason, let's just uh, talk about this contested culture for a few moments because... In some sense, a contested culture is not unusual for the Christian believer. Uh, there's always someone who's trying to write down what the culture should do or must do. Uh, we've got to be contributors to that, haven't we? So just because there's a contest, we've got to be in the contest, haven't we? Absolutely. Um, and, and the contest uh, is not just in uh, kind of the idea space. It's also in the way our, organ, our, the way our culture and society is structured, the institutions that people trust have changed. You know, when I was a kid growing up in the early 70s, the, one of the most trusted institutions around was the local church. 
These days, churches are not part of that trusted list of institutions anymore. In fact, even government is no longer a trusted institution. So there's a contest in ideas, but there's a contest in systems and organisations as well. And we as followers of Jesus are a part of that, absolutely. I wonder what your thoughts are on the sorts of people who are most inclined to be passionate about their faith, uh, perhaps uh, when it comes to ages, uh, perhaps when it comes to maturity. Who is most passionate about sharing their faith with others? The, the research tells us that um, people who are most passionate about evangelism and tend to be most effective in evangelism are people who are in the first two years of their faith journey. So people who have tended to, to come to faith as teenagers or young adults who have got that first love experience with Jesus happening, who are experiencing what it means to become a new creation in Christ. All those things that Paul talks about in the scriptures where we're learning constantly and we're digging into that and it's exciting and fresh. And... Uh, after that two-year period, it, it tends to change a bit. Uh, now, after that two-year period, I wonder if you've got some thoughts here on what happens. Uh, given your uh, studies and qualifications and the sorts of things you're involved in, you probably have got a deeper dimension than most of us think about this because sometimes we think, oh, the new Christian, very passionate about what they do. Uh, then you start to hear a story here and a story there and some negativity creeps in and you start to be more aware of your own anxieties about uh, what you're doing and your own uh, less uh, capacity for being equipped. What's happening uh, after those those initial couple of years when you're really passionate for God? Look, I, I think there's a few things. One is that it's hard to sustain passion on a constant basis. I mean, we know that passion ebbs and flows. It happens in marriages. It happens in all kinds of settings. It happens in workplaces. So there is going to be a bit of an ebb and flow to passion. I think part of it, though, is the longer we're Christians, one of the things research shows us as well is the longer we're Christians, the less non-Christian friends we tend to have in our close friendship circle. So we might come across lots of people who don't believe in Jesus in the workplace or in school or in hobbies or mums groups, etc. But in terms of our own network of friends, you know, those five to ten people who know what life is like for you, the longer we're in church and the longer we're in faith, the less and less non-Christians tend to make up that group. And so I think some of it is we get a little bit enculturated sometimes and we become not just followers of Jesus, but, but church kind of becomes our relational world as well. So you've got to really adopt some non-Christian friends. Don't be afraid to get into those sorts of settings where the conversation might be different because you know that opportunity will come when somebody will say, what do you think about such and such? Uh, those conversations will come, but get into those friendships. And I imagine here, not just on a shallow level, but just deepen some friendships with those who are outside of church life. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that uh, Jesus talks about where he says, you know, he, um, he teaches about, you know, or asks the question, who is your neighbour? And he tells the parable of the Good Samaritan, you know, and the, the message of the parable is, well, you know what? Everyone's your neighbour. Every person that you encounter who needs to hear Jesus is someone who's a potential friend, a potential connection, someone who 
needs to hear the message of the gospel. And, and that's really what love is. You know, love is introducing a person to Jesus. Yes, it's all those other things as well. It's, it's helping people in need. It's being there for people who need support and encouragement and so forth. But really, if, if we love someone the way God calls us to love people, then talking about the ultimate expression of love, the, the sending of Jesus to the earth, the, you know, God incarnate coming to earth to live in our world, that's what love is. It's us entering into the world of others and sharing the truth about Jesus with them, just as God enters into our world to live our lives with us. And so really it comes down to what, what love is in many respects. And this need to, uh, or even for some it might be a how-to, reset ourselves for a new season here because if we are in a season where there is a contest, uh, contested faith, a, a contest of ideas, one side might appear to be winning over the other, but there's somehow or other you've got to be able to get above the fray and say, well, uh, how am I going to reset myself for a new season ahead? What are your thoughts here for, for how you might even go through a sort of a reset on your direction and uh, and, and have a, a more an outreach mentality of befriending people who are outside of your typical Christian church group? I think uh, the first place to start is your relationship with God, is actually to sit down, spend some time in prayer and ask him to show you people or bring people across your path that he wants you to talk to. So at a very basic level, it's about being open in your spirit and willing to serve the kingdom of God to, to do that work and letting, letting God know that, hey, I'm up for this. You know, if you want to bring someone across my path, I'm willing to, to serve and have that conversation and be open to that. And I think that's often the starting point because God is always going to drive that kind of agenda and opportunity for us. We're not going to have to search people out if we're willing to offer ourselves up to God and say, God, hey, use me. Jason, if you're in that group, uh, you're beyond that two years of being very passionate. As you say, the first two years of your Christian experience, the most time when you are passionate, you're out there, you're sharing what's happened to you, things are different, people can see there's a new you, and they might not be seeing perfection, but they're seeing stuff that's changed and they remember what you were like before. And you've got this sort of cynicism that clicks in, and it's a, a way that you sort of fit in then with church culture. And we might say church culture is good, except if it stops us from sharing the gospel. Sometimes the thing that breaks through there is the thought of revival. Now, I'm not sure whether you've been following what's going on around the world. A lot of people have been interested in what's happening at the Asbury University in the United States. But there's something happens that breaks the mold of where you get set in your cynicism and something breaks through. Any thoughts here around, you know, how God does things? What are your reflections on things that happen, say, in revival? Well, I, I think, you know, revival or things like the, the Asbury uh, University meeting, they, they tend to happen every now and then. You see them in different places around the world. And I think part of it is, is that openness, that willingness to allow God to do what he wants to do rather than us always trying to get God to do what we want him to do. 
And, and part of that is the simple prayer process. It's submitting our lives to, to, to Jesus and saying, Lord, use me however you would want to use me. I want to seek and follow your purpose for my life and do the things that you've called me to do and be open spiritually to that. And evangelism's part of that. Our evangelism journey helps us grow in our faith. It stretches us. It takes us into places where we're uncomfortable and makes our, our safety zone a bit bigger. It stretches the boundaries of that. It's that willingness to serve and say, no, God, actually, you're in control of this. Uh, lead me where you want me to go. I need to be on your agenda rather than trying to get God onto mine in terms of what I think I'm prepared to do. What are your thoughts here, Jason? And uh, given that you're now leading Open Air Campaigners, uh, OAC, uh, people are going to know this guy must be evangelism-minded. What are your thoughts here, perhaps a, a general assessment? And you can't tar everyone with the same brush, but what do we need to do in Australia, in our local churches, so far as evangelism? Some have got a big discipleship focus. Uh, some are uh, evangelism focused. Uh, others are about doing good works and things like that. Give us your impression here as to to maybe a generalisation, but, uh, but what ought to be happening from your point of view? Yeah, I mean, you know, as we all know, there are great churches. There are some good churches doing some good things and... There are churches who are struggling and and doing it tough. We've lost, you know, 60% of the membership of congregations over the last 50 years. So that's in raw numbers, not just in percentage terms. So, you know, there is something that we're not doing well in our culture. You know, as a broad brushstroke, you know, the Australian church hasn't done well in in, uh, evangelism for the last few decades. And I think for churches to, to change that, um, there's a number of things that that you know would be would be the foundation of getting that happening right. I think the first one is as congregations, we need to see evangelism as the reason we exist. I think there is there are lots of churches who exist for reasons other than sharing the gospel, and whether that's to have a great youth program or a great kids program or a great worship service or any of those things, church doesn't exist to be in and of itself something useful for those who attend. Church exists to pursue the mission of Jesus. That's why it was created. That's its singular purpose. And so when we're not living out that singular purpose, then we get um, focused on what we get out of church. You know, so for the individual going to church who's asking the question, what am I getting out of this? It's the wrong question. You know, when we attend church, the question isn't what am I getting out of it? The question is, how does God want me to pursue his mission? And they're two different questions. Very powerful the way you put it. And oftentimes we'll think of that great commission uh, going into all the world, uh, preaching the gospel, making disciples, and uh, really making disciples of nations in all of that takes it to another dimension again. But you've got this context that what happens in discipleship actually is connected with the proclamation of the message, the evangelism. Exactly. And I think, um, you know, there's a... there's a quote that's attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, which he never actually said, 
which says, go into all the world and preach the gospel and, if necessary, use words. Well, actually, words are really necessary. Um, I, I can tell you that as a Christian, I'm as flawed and as sinful as any other Christian person. I've, I've got the privilege of being a leader, but I can tell you no one's going to become a Christian just by looking at how I behave. And the truth is that's true of every Christian. Behaviour isn't the critical thing. Yeah, Jesus says he'll know us by their, people will know us by our fruit. But the command in Scripture is to preach, and, and the Greek word actually means to use your voice, to speak, to communicate. And so that's the challenge. We often sit back and say, well, it's okay, I'm, I'm living a good Christian life. People will be able to see by looking at me what it means to follow Jesus. You know what? We can't rely on that because that's not what the Scripture teaches us either. Let's come back to young people for a moment because you've got this camp that is lined up. Uh, it's coming up a little later on. Um, I'll get the dates in just a few moments. But uh, so far as this new youth camp, a six-day camp. Now, this is not just a weekend fun activity type camp. Sounds like you've got some really intense things that have got planned there for young people. It's called Worldview Australia. The focus is on young people, and my suspicion is this is very intentional. Years 10, 11, and 12, that's a really amazing time to help shape your understanding of what's going on in the world. Give us some insights here into what you're expecting to achieve with the Worldview Australia initiative. Yeah, so Worldview Australia, we've we've run it in WA for the last three years. This will be the first time we're running it up in Queensland. And exactly right, the purpose is to help people, uh, young people, understand the world from a biblical perspective and begin to live that out and share that with others. The camp itself, it, it has 25 learning opportunities. So sessions where we look at different topics and issues from scripture right through to culture and how our culture functions we explore the whole issue of identity which is one of the most contested ideas in our current culture what does it mean to be a human what does the bible say about what it means to be human the bible outlines a whole different way of being human to what our culture teaches us being a human being actually means so what does that look like when the bible says and and Jesus says, hey, being human means living a certain way. It means following Jesus. It means putting other people ahead of yourself. It's, it's a whole different way of looking at the world to what our culture teaches. So we want to raise young people who are not just um, good adults, but who are cultural influencers. So part of the purpose of this camp is we want to turn young people from hey, I want to follow Jesus, to, hey, I want to influence the world for the kingdom of God. I want people to understand what God's world means for everybody else when God enters their world. And so it's a great opportunity to do that. And in those high school years, if you can help to shape the thinking of young people, this is at a time when they're at school, but some of those will go on to their studies in university. Others will go into other career dimensions that they'll be pursuing. This is the time, isn't it, uh, to capture the imagination of young people and help them understand biblical truth and, and, and change their whole mindset around what a worldview is that is focused on God. 
Absolutely. And, it, and it's laying the groundwork that they'll need to engage in university. You know, our universities in Australia, there's a great deal of um, almost now anti-Christian sentiment and teaching in those universities. Doesn't mean Christian people shouldn't attend or shouldn't get a degree or shouldn't be part of that world. We need to influence the world, not escape from it. But the challenge is we need the tools. Young people need the tools to get into that space and live there effectively and make a difference in their community and uh, wrestle with these contested ideas from a Christian perspective. And so that's part of what the camp is also designed to do. As you say, you've run this for three years in Western Australia. The one that you've got coming up mid-year this year is going to be in Queensland at the Mount Tambourine Conference Centre, 25th to the 30th of June. Is there an available resource Jason, as so far as those who are just not near any of those centres couldn't get their teenager to one of these camps but interested in doing something in their local church that'll be around the teenagers in their local community. Is there a resource that you've got developing or is it on the way or is it already available? Uh, There's one already available. It's called Worldview Bites and it's the Worldview content in small chunks delivered online. So you can get information about that from OAC as well. It's run by our Western Australian team and it's an opportunity each week to connect in with these ideas. Some of the campers from Worldview do it as a follow-up, but it's also an opportunity if you come from a different region. And look, we have people connecting into it. In fact, the first week was last Thursday. So it's only brand new and fresh, but we already have some people jumping in from other countries as well to pick up this content and run with it for their, uh, for their own location. So Worldview Bites is the way that we do that. Well, I know there'll be a lot of people who are very excited. Uh, OAC, Open Air Campaigners, is back and fighting fit. And you've got some wonderful issues on the agenda. And this camp, Worldview Australia, for listeners who want to connect with OAC today, and perhaps there could even be an, a multi-generation connection to OAC. You might even be thinking, oh, my dad or my grandfather or my grandmother. You might have had all sorts. You might even go great, great at the, the sort of uh, times we're talking about here. There might be a real family connection there. And some might be thinking, well, I've lost track. Perhaps it's time to reconnect. Well, here's your opportunity to reconnect with OAC. OAC stands for Open Air Campaigners. The initiative we're talking about uh, so far as that camp mid-year, I mentioned 25th to the 30th of June at Mount Tambourine Conference Centre. Just an amazing opportunity for young people to converge to the hinterland of the Gold Coast to be a part of what will be an amazing camp. Now, look, just before I move on from this, in WA, uh, you've been running this camp for three years and it gets sold out. Uh, There's kids on waiting lists. Uh, Is this something that is likely to happen for the Queensland event too? Well, it's, it's always possible, and, and look, yes, we absolutely have waiting lists in WA because it's a well-known and, and been a fast-growing camp there. Um, look, we really encourage people to get in as early as they can to register. There is an early bird price at the moment, which runs out actually next week, so it's a great opportunity to jump in and get the early bird price, which is $50 cheaper, so you do save a bit. And um, we'd, we'd love to, to uh, welcome you into this opportunity. 
Well, June 25th to the 30th, uh, let me give the websites for connecting connecting with OAC and the Worldview Australia site. It's oac.org.au and you'll be able to communicate with Jason Potter, who's been our guest over this past hour. You might make that, uh, that connection afresh. And also the Worldview Australia website, worldviewaustralia.org worldviewaustralia.org and no doubt there'll be a link there on the OAC website if you're looking for that connection. Jason Potter, uh, author, pastor, chaplain. I mentioned your book Josiah a little earlier and for listeners who might be thinking about their young men transitioning from boyhood to manhood, uh, let me recommend that one to Josiah. Jason Potter, uh, I think we're going to have some more great conversations perhaps ahead this year and uh, I want to appreciate you very much. Thanks so much for giving your insights today about the developments that are happening at, as you find yourself in a new uh, position at the helm of OAC. Thanks for being with us on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 